It is great to be back with you after uh, being away for the last three weeks. I, Nancy and I were talking about this before, that in my 30 plus years of ministry, I started when I was 10, um, <laughs> 20, uh, but in the 30 plus years of, of ministry, I don't think I've ever taken three weeks in a row off, uh, seldom two. Uh, so to be able to have that time away was actually very helpful, very healing. Uh, it was great to be able to spend some time with my mother and family, helping with some of the transitions. So thank you all for the time. It is great to be back here worshiping with you all as our church family. So uh, what a privilege it is to be here. Also, uh, many of you have been asking about, you know, since I've been here, will you teach a Bible study on Revelation? Will you teach a Bible study on Revelation? Will you teach a Bible study on Revelation? So finally, I've agreed that we'll teach a Bible study on Revelation. Last count I heard is we have about 170 or so who are signed up to take the class. Uh, and so some were asking, you know, how are we going to do this? You know, what do I need to do to prepare? And, and so I just kind of shared, it's very basic. We're going to go through the scripture. It's totally pass fail. If you're left behind, you failed. Uh, <laughs> but no, it'll be, it'll be a great time together. We have so many different Bible studies, small groups, classes, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, all throughout the week, daytime, evening. We hope that you will all find a place to connect uh, as some of our fall studies uh, begin again and grow in your faith and walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Our scripture today is Acts chapter 18. We are moving toward the conclusion of our study of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18, we'll begin with verse 24. Acts chapter 18. Beginning of verse 24. where Luke, who wrote again both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, where Luke writes, Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man. He was well versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus although he knew only of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was growing up as a kid, many times we would, we would get in the car and we would start riding down the road and going different places and the radio would be on and there was this one radio show that would come on just for a little while. It, the, the guy's name was Paul Harvey. 
Now what's interesting about Paul Harvey, actually he was a concert pianist and a composer, but in 1976 he began this radio spot where he would then tell a story about the rest of the story. And what I loved about the way he would tell the story is he would, he would start telling you about a person or an event or a product or something, and, and he would tell you these background details, these, the, the backstory that you may or may not have ever really heard, and, and he would wait until the very end to reveal to you who it was he was talking about. So you're sitting there trying to guess, oh, I think I know who this is. Oh, I think I know what that is. And, and, and you would try to guess, and then he would tell you And after he told you, he had his famous line where he would say, and now you know the rest of the story. It was a powerful thing. For example, he told the story about this young pharmacist from Columbus, Georgia. Now, Columbus, Georgia is down where Fort Benning is, for those of you who are connected with military at all. But he was telling about this this pharmacist who back in the day was also known as a druggist. Sometimes pharmacists were known as druggists. And and back in the day as well, the pharmacist would sometimes try to help you out if you came in going, I need some help. You know, and they would go, well, they would, they would try to, you know, put together some elixir or some syrup or some concoction. You know, we'll add a little of this, we'll add a little of that, and, and they would try to help you out. Well, he tried a variety of things, and, and then he started working on one for headaches. Severe headaches. And in particular... Some headaches that tend to happen on Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, Monday mornings. You know, headaches known as hangover headaches, I guess. And then he was trying to figure out, you know, how can I help with this? And so he, he started putting his concoction together. And, and as he was putting it together, he, he knew, he, well, some caffeine would be helpful because that'll help with a headache. And, and then I'm going to need an analgesic, you know, something that'll help deaden the pain. And, and there was this little drug that he added called cocaine. And he began to mix that in. And, and he developed this elixir. And, and all you had to do was add some water and drink it. And, and you would either get over your headache or not care. And so he began to peddle the syrup around. He, he took it up to a pharmacist in Atlanta, and popular pharmacy there, and, and, and he you know, was trying to sell his way. You know, here's this you know, Dr. Pemberton's elixir, and if you just, you know, we'll, we'll give people this, it'll help with headaches. And so one day this guy comes in to the pharmacy, and he's got this splitting headache, and the clerk remembered Dr. Pemberton's elect, elixir, his syrup. And so he goes back there and he gets it and he adds the water to it, but he mistakenly added carbonated water. Now that elixir is still around today. Many of you have used the elixir. You just, they now take out the cocaine. Um, but Dr. Pemberton died not long after his invention. Paul Harvey then wraps up the story this way. He says, so the country druggist never shared the pot of gold at the end of what is now a rainbow of lights as wide as the world, spelling out Coca-Cola. And now you know the rest of the story. So he would go through those stories. Luke is kind of giving us a story like this. He actually is telling us about a man by the name of Apollos. 
Apollos was a Jew from Alexandria, which is the upper part of Egypt there along the Mediterranean Sea. So you've got Israel, and you kind of come down and across Egypt, and it's a port city there. And, and, and so that's where Apollos is from. That's where he grew up learning the faith. But now Apollos has worked his way around to Egypt, or rather to Ephesus. And, and listen to the, to the accolades that Luke tells about this guy. He says, he was an eloquent man. That he was well-versed in the Scriptures. I mean, Apollos grew up in the faith with, with a family who taught him the Old Testament Scriptures. He, he knew the Scriptures. He was instructed in the way of the Lord, Luke says. Now, when you hear that, oftentimes the way in your Bible will be capitalized because early on, in the early church, when the church was just really getting its footing and its name, and what do you call this movement? It was known as the way. And so when you hear Luke talk about he was, known, he was versed and instructed in the way of the Lord or the way of God, that means in, in the church. And he, he had some understanding of who Jesus is. And, and, he, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm. He was passionate about his faith. And he taught accurately concerning Jesus. But then Luke says, though he only knew of the baptism of John. In other words, he, he understood what he said about Jesus was accurate. He just didn't know the rest of the story. He just didn't know the, the remaining part. He, he didn't know the, the, the underlying story, the, the way the story plays out, or, or what is God actually doing here and and so he began to boldly speak in the synagogue, and we're told that there were a couple there known as Priscilla and Aquila. They were, they were a couple that were very close in ministry with Paul. As a matter of fact, if you read Romans chapter 16, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, you know, I want you to greet Priscilla and Aquila. They're co-workers with me for the cause of Christ. As a matter of fact, they risk their lives for me. I mean, wow, that, that tells you something about them, that, that they're passionate about Paul and they're passionate about the gospel and they're passionate about Jesus Christ to the point they were willing to put their lives on the line to help Paul. And so Paul says, I, I, I want you to, to, you know, to, to greet them. Well, well, Priscilla and Aquila are sitting there and they're listening to Apollos' teaching and they're impressed with who he is and they're impressed with his passion and they're impressed with his enthusiasm but they know he's, he's missing something. He, there's part of the story, part of the faith that he just doesn't quite get. I mean, to understand the baptism of John, well, that was a baptism of repentance and preparing for the kingdom of God. But when Jesus came, the, the kingdom of God is now and to come. But, but actually, Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God now too. And the, all these scriptures that you've been reading, that you're teaching so accurately, they're pointing to the Messiah, yes, God's anointed one, the Christ. But that is Jesus. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they pull him aside, and they begin to teach him the rest of the story. And, and what's interesting about that, and I, and I encourage you to, to catch this, is they didn't wait for Apollos to come to them. You know, they, they didn't wait for a policy. You know, if he asked me, I'll tell him. You know, they didn't wait to go, hey, what'd y'all think of the sermon? I mean, was it okay? I mean, what would you add? I mean, what, was there anything missing in the sermon? I mean, how would, you know, they didn't, he didn't ask for coaching. They actually pulled, pulled him aside because they loved him. And they loved the gospel. 
And more important, they love the Savior that the gospel points to. And, and so they began to coach him and tell him the rest of the story. And, and then look what happens when he's ready then to go to Achaia. The believers there in Ephesus, they, they, they encourage him. As a matter of fact, they write to the churches up in Achaia. There are churches in that region like Corinth, and that's important that you hang on to that in a moment. But, but you know, they, they write to the churches and go, hey, we recommend this guy to you. We recommend Apollos because he, he's an avid believer. He is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and, and God has anointed him to preach and proclaim this good news. And we're told that he greatly helped those who became believers. Not just he helped, he volunteered. He greatly helped. He made a difference. And he powerfully, powerfully opened up for them the Old Testament scriptures to point and show them the Messiah is Jesus. He made a difference. You ever, you ever wonder what might have happened if Priscilla and Aquila had never pulled Apollos aside and coached him? I mean, you ever wonder? I mean, he makes a difference. For example, I told you to pay attention to Corinth. Paul was writing a letter to the church at Corinth one time in, in 1 Corinthians, actually. And, and if you read 1 Corinthians throughout, you're going to hear about Apollos. As a matter of fact, in the very first chapter, Paul is dealing with the fact that, that there are, there, the church is kind of divided up in groups. Kind of like, you know, I joined a church under preacher so-and-so because that was the best preacher we ever had right there. I'm going to tell you, that was the best preacher. You know, if you didn't join under that preacher, you don't really know what you missed. And, and others are going, oh yeah, I joined under preacher Apollos because he was eloquent and, and, and I just love to tell his stories and, and I didn't even pay attention to the fact that it was approaching 12 o'clock. <laughs> and others, you know, well, I was under... Paul writes to them and he goes, you know, some of you are saying, I belong to Paul. Others of you are saying, I belong to Apollos. And others of you are saying, I belong to Cephas or Peter. When the truth is, you belong to Christ. But I want you to catch, did you catch what Paul just did for Apollos? I mean, Apollos is now listed in the grouping of Paul and Peter. I mean, Wonder if he'd have been there if Priscilla and Aquila had not pulled him aside to teach him the rest of the story. Wonder if he'd have been there. As a matter of fact, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, around verses 4 to 6, Paul actually is, is talking about it again, and he, and he goes, you know, I planted. Apollos then came and watered. But it was God who did the growth. Do you hear again the role of Apollos? I planted, Apollos watered. I mean, I wonder what would happen if Priscilla and Aquila had never told him, or if, if Apollos just goes, I got it, I got it, I know it, I got it, I understand it, and had never heard the rest of the story. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12, Paul refers to him as his brother. And, and when Paul writes to Titus in Titus 3.13, he says, now I want you to make sure that, that you send Apollos on his way, but make sure he has everything he needs. Make sure he has everything he needs. I mean, he's doing some vital work. Wonder, wonder if he had been there, if it had not been for Priscilla and Aquila showing him the rest of the story. See, Paul runs into that as well with Romans. In Romans chapter 10, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, 
Paul is writing, and he's talking about Israel, and he's talking about the, the people there in Rome, the Jews there in Rome as well, and he goes, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. Now listen to what he says. He said, I can testify that they have a zeal for God, but it's not enlightened. It's not informed. It's not complete. There's something missing. They don't know the rest of the story. And he says, for being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they've not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. I mean, Paul is recognizing these people understand who God is. They're seeking to be faithful to God. They love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They love the Old Testament scriptures. They want to be faithful to God. They want to be the people that God has called them to be. They're committing to dot every I and cross every T. The problem of it is they're missing it. They're missing it. They're missing the best part. They're missing the best part. Because of their ignorance, not their stupidity, their ignorance, their lack of knowledge, their lack of knowing. Because of their ignorance, they're, instead of being able to accept this gift of God, they're trying to establish their own righteousness and they're just not going to get anywhere. So then he goes on to try to tell the rest of the story. Will Willeman, who is a biblical scholar, used to teach at Duke and... Um, he, he then is a great preacher and became a, a bishop, but he said, you know, this scripture refutes the idea that you hear in so many places today that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. This refutes that. It, it really does matter what you believe. It, it really does make a difference what you believe. And so, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's going, I want to tell you the rest of the story. And one of my concerns sometimes in, in, in the life of, of the church today, and when I say the church, I'm not talking simply about Weddington, I'm not excluding us either, but I'm talking about the church as a whole, is that, that we in our world today, we, we've kind of settled in for that, that some surface faith and surface knowledge and you know, a surface relationship with Jesus Christ, that's okay, that's enough. Oh, but we're missing so much. I mean, James actually says in James chapter 2, verse 19, he said, you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe that. That's nothing special. There, there's got to be more. There's got to be the rest of the story. There's got to be something else behind that. And, and what God is looking for in our lives is a relationship with God. It really does make it a difference what we believe in. And do we have a deep faith or is our faith just a surface faith? Is it, is it a genuine deep walk with God and a desire to be a disciple with God? Or is it just a desire to, to make sure we get in? There's more. There's, there's more to the story. I'll share with you this, this past year at annual conference, I found myself getting frustrated again. Actually, most years when I go to annual conference lately, I... I'm beginning to find that I get frustrated. And, and one of the reasons for that, too, is you get a group of preachers together, it's frustrating. But, but one of the things that I felt was frustrating was that, that when we would be dealing with some deep issues, some, some significant things in the life of the faith and the life of the church, as different people would come up to the microphone, what you would often hear is, well, I think. Or another microphone, well, I feel, or I hope. 
And, and, I, and maybe, I should have, maybe I should have got up and moved to the mic myself. I don't know. I just kind of hate doing that. But instead of just preaching to the people right around me, maybe I should have said it to the whole group. I don't know. But I wanted to get up and go, I don't care what you think. No offense. And I don't really care what you feel. No offense. We're the church. Our task right now is to try to discern as faithfully as we can, what does God think? What does God feel? What is, what is God hoping for? What is God looking for? If, if we're not careful, we even turn the church to be egocentric. It's about us rather than, than God. Rather than God. There's more to the story and and what God is looking for is for us to have a, a genuine depth of relationship where, where our prayer can be the prayer of Jesus, thy will be done, not my will be done. I mean, there's more to this story. I, I hope you want to know it. I mean, our faith, I mean, what do we believe? And we believe that, that God, God created this whole world by merely speaking it into existence. Now, don't get hung up into, well, exactly how did that work? Was it a split of an atom or was it this? God did it. God created this world. But here's what's really powerful that, that Genesis wanted us to know, and that is that when God created us, we were special for some reason. God created us in His image. Now, I want to learn more about that God. Why would God create us in His image? What was God trying to pull off when He created us in His image? Why, why does God look at us differently? I want to learn a little bit more about this God. Let me tell you something else about this God. This God so loved us that He came to live among us. Now, that's just crazy. I'm just going to tell you that's about the craziest thing I've ever heard. But Paul says, Paul says in Philippians that God was willing to leave the glory of heaven and all the things and come and live among those of us that He created because for some reason, God has this passion for us, this love for us, and so God put on human clothes and came and lived among us to teach us about His kingdom and to teach about His love. Now, if you've got a God crazy enough about you to leave everything for you, I want to learn more about that God. I want to know the rest of the story. Tell me the rest of the story. And then this God, who, who loved us enough to come, died for us. We have a crucified God. Now, now, you can look at all the other religions of the world that you want to, but that is about that, that tells you something about that God, that our God is a crucified God. Our God still has scars to remind, that's how much I love you people. I want you forgiven. The broken relationship that we have, the brokenness that's in your life, I want that healed to the point that I'm willing to die for you. I'll give my life for you, says our God. Now, I don't know about you. I want to learn more about that God. A God who's willing to die for me, I want to learn more about that God. I want to know the rest of the story. And this God rose again from the dead on, on the third day. And He offers to us everlasting life. 
And it's God, for some reason, values us so much, values you so much that our God has said, I will always be with you in the presence and power of my Holy Spirit. I will be a part of your lives forever. Whether you're celebrating the greatest moment of your life, I'm going to be right there with you. Whether you're going through the worst moment of your life, I will be right there with you. When you feel that you have absolutely no more strength, that you can't put one foot in front of the other again, you're done, spent, wasted, our God goes, I'll give you strength. I'll hold you up. Man, I want to learn more about that God. Our God that says, when you listen to the news and you think the world is hopeless, just remember, I'm still God. I want to learn more about that God. I need to know the rest of the story. And this God wants to be in a relationship with us, an intimate relationship. John Wesley says, you know, when when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, that is a powerful event. When we are saved, it's an amazing event. When we're born again, rebirth, regeneration, justification, that's an amazing, powerful event. It is not the end. That's actually the beginning. Now we grow on this journey of learning the rest of the story. And whether you're a baby Christian, and what I mean by that is a young Christian who's just, just beginning your walk with Jesus Christ and your journey with Him and, and growing in faith, or whether you're someone who, who said, I, I've been a Christian all my life and I've read the Bible 158 times. Whatever it might be, there's still more to the story that you don't know. Because this God is so amazing and so infinite and so powerful and so loving, there's more to the story that you don't know. And Apollos, even Apollos, an eloquent, well-scriptured, disciplined man was willing to learn more. And when he did, it changed everything. Imagine what would happen if we, the body of Christ, the church committed, I will never be content with my spiritual walk where it is today. I want to know the rest of of the story because this God that we talk about is incredible and I want to learn more about that this God who thinks for some odd reason that I'm special and that I'm worth dying for I want to learn more about that God I want to know the rest of the story. Will you pray with me? God, we're just so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we pray that we would never be content. Because most of us here, we we know accurately some of the message of Jesus Christ. We've read some of the scriptures, maybe all of it. But there's more to the story. God, we wonder where we would be today if Priscilla and Aquila had not pulled Apollos aside. We wonder where we would be today if Apollos 
didn't have a willing spirit. A spirit that desired to continue to grow and to learn and to hear the rest of the story. And God, we wonder where the world will be tomorrow if the church doesn't want to grow and hear the rest of the story. And we wonder what you can do tomorrow if your church would commit to grow in grace and in faith and to hear the rest of the story. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.